and welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. Uh, my name is Jakob Marquardt. I'm your your host on the show. I have with me, I have Leonard Smith or Lenny, Leonard, Lenny Smith, my co-host. Uh, the Human and Machine podcast is, of course, um, a show where we talk about uh, anything and everything, industrial automation, industrial technology, uh, tying in with today's topic of digital transformation, and all obviously with a lens on the South African space and the South African environment. Um, in this week's episode, we're talking digital transformation in manufacturing and production environments. Lenny, I think it's a, it's a topic that we've been, we've been looking forward to for a, for a few weeks now. Yes. Uh, hi, everybody. Thanks, Yaku. Yeah. Um, and, and taking back to last week's conversation we had around maintenance as well with, with Kajiso, um, also moving into a little bit of a digital transformation space or his company wants him to move into that space. And just a little bit around the myths where they think this thing can be bought in a box. You know, you buy it from the shelf and you install it and there you go. Yeah. You, you <laughs> So I'm, I'm very keen to hear from Wilhelm, you know, the, the, the process and, the, and what it actually entails to get this digital transformation journey started in companies. So yeah, I look very looking forward to, to the conversation. I, I love that comment from Kajiso last week. So if you missed last week's episode, we, we spoke with Kajiso from, from the Kellogg company, Kellogg's, uh, about some maintenance strategies that they're deploying. But, but there was a, a comment that he made is, is you know, he, d- he does see a lot of people in his office that um, sell him this box of digital transformation. And it, it's, it's not always as simple as that. But uh, it is no doubt a topic where, we, where we've heard a lot of noise and challenge over the past years. Um, according to PwC, out of uh, a survey they recently done out of 2,000 manufacturing companies, 86% of those companies expect to secure gains from uh, both lower costs and added revenue from digital efforts over the next few years. So it's definitely a, a topic and, and uh, not only a topic, but it is definitely a strategy with a lot of promise. And the term itself means different things for different folks, I think, Lenny, and, and we've definitely heard that over the past few episodes. And for some, it's switching from manual processes to uh, autonomous processes, while for others, it's very simply just about getting insights from their data. Um, and then the ultimate question, and it's a very broad topic as, we, as we're probably going to find over the next few minutes, and the ultimate question is what can digital transformation and moving towards <clears throat> industry 4.0, if you want to call it that, if you want to call it smart manufacturing, what can it do for me as a manufacturer and, and for the industry? Um, so, so Lenny, you, you gave away the name. Our, our guest for today is an experienced leader in, in the charge for change, if I can call it that. Um, Valhalem Swart is, is our guest today. Valhalem is the Chief Operational Technology Officer um, at Foresight Holdings and also the MD or Managing Director Blue ESP. And uh, Valhalem will hopefully help us demystify some of the buzzwords um, and concepts. And yeah, Valhalem, welcome to the Human and Machine Podcast. Yes, yeah, thank you, Yaku, Leonard, and Clarice for inviting me into the session today. Really, um, you know, looking forward to the to the session and, and to you know talk to you about you know how we see this this interesting topic of digital transformation and 4IR and and all these buzzwords. And you know, maybe just quickly a little bit about myself before I hand over yeah, to please. you again. So yeah, so you know, originally a Cape Townian, grew up on the west coast, uh, you know, and then studied Stellenbosch. You have to say that because you know we're always very proud of. Oh, you, you're gonna, you're not going to be popular with Lenny on that comment, <laughs> eh? Lenny oh, yeah. is tux or nux. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry. And I'm, you know, I, I've been in lockdown, so I haven't been back for quite a while, but like I've got something planned next month. I'm really looking forward to a wine farm being open and, I don't know, sitting there and just sipping on a glass of wine again. Oh, so yes, I, absolutely. Uh, then really, after that, I, I basically spent, you know, probably, you know, half my career in, in global vendors, you know, so, you know, uh, on and off and also in startups. So I, I, I worked for companies like I started with Siemens, you know, in, in water and in oil and gas industries and then, you know, and sp sp spent some time there um, and then also worked for, for other large vendors, Smart Electric, you know, learned a lot about their global business, you know, um, you know and, and, and in various different roles. And then the rest of the time I was really in, in startup companies, so companies like Zycom, um, which was a site distributor in the, in the late, oh, in the early 2000s, um, and also ISI and SI company, um, and right now, again, Blue SB and Foresight. So I've been, you know, moving between these areas and mainly being like either five-year, um, you know, type periods in these roles. And so, so that that whole um, um, career is, is basically, you know, giving me some exposure in, in things like, you know, so medium voltage and low voltage type solutions and then secure power type solutions. And then, but most of the time was always to do with, with you know, either process automation or levels of automation and the software associated with that, you know, and, and then also working in, in the core segments of mining. So, probably mostly in mining because in this part of the world it's you know mining is very very big but in the beginning i worked a lot in water um water and wastewater and um, water distribution type type systems as well bit of food and beverages a bit of oil and gas um inside there as well now just a little bit about blue sp right now so it's part of the listed foresight group you know and, and it's really an agile bunch of, of of engineers for the first time in my career i'm working with multi-discipline so in my team there is chemical engineers doing you know various things advanced process control there's mechanical engineers because when we get into this asset performance management then you need the mechanical view we have electrical guys we've got data analysts so you know, really you know in all my other type roles it was more one-dimensional but for the first time we're working, um, you know, with you know the whole spectrum, even in um, in uh, industrial engineers, and so uh, so I lead that business, uh, and and really the focus okay. of that business is an asset um, optimization business, and then the other part is is I also lead um, the Foresight OT cluster, which is a, a set of three businesses, and so that's an um, an asset automation business, H Technologies, with you know those guys doing PLC, SCADA, multi-vendor. They work with Siemens, Rockwell, Schneider, ABB, type technologies, and, and also another business that is in there is an asset simulation business, um, simulation engineering technologies, um, and and really, like I said, um, 26 industrial engineers and focusing on warehouse simulation, transportation simulation mining constraints that's mostly constraint simulation so you basically run various scenarios and see you know <clears throat> what you have to do and what's the best outcome that you want and so the, the concept like in my whole career we often spoke about oh we should build digital twins and we should do the you know do simulations and but we didn't do it a lot but now you know leading this group they make a business out of it and they do it for a living and so it's quite quite amazing and yeah so Lots of, you know, hands-on experience through these years. I, I, I do believe that you cannot lead teams like this if you don't have, if you haven't commissioned the, you know, a, a site for a long time or if you didn't have the crisis or whatever. So through this, 
now nearly 25 years in the game, um, I've, yes. I've learned a few things, and I've you know, and uh, and so we have a bit of experience to 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 guide this dynamic team um, that we are that we are leading. No, fantastic, Alan. Thank you. I think your your resume, if I can call it that, or your experience, definitely does put you in a in a good position to speak from from a base of experience and and understanding about just the myriad of industries and working with different people. What how it has probably first of all progressed and transformed over the last little while, um, and what the uh, you can probably give us a very good prediction of what the the short term to medium term future is going to look like as well, even even post COVID nineteen. And I can definitely assimilate with your comment about hopefully visiting a wine farm soon. So we we sort of now at the nearing the end of August, we we've just in South Africa, we've just done to move to to level two. Um, of lockdown, which uh, gives us some respite and, on on a few areas, and and hopefully business can can return to normal, um, and we can not only recover from some of the damaging effects that we've seen from economic effects that we've seen from from COVID nineteen, uh, but also help help companies and individuals uh, overcome that and bounce back and definitely future proof as well, because we're definitely going to see some more disruption in the future. If there's one constant that, that we've seen over the last little while is disruption. And we're definitely going to see more of that in, uh, in the future. But I, I wanted to quickly, um, I mean, geez, there's so many questions for you, Lenny. I'm sure you've got a million questions as well. You know, we can probably start with some of the, some of the basics. Um, one of the, the immediate things that I, that I wanted to chat with you about is on the topic of future proof um, and digital transformation. Maybe, maybe we can start with, uh, with, with digital transformation. You know, it's described as many different things. It has many different components. Um, for some of us that are, that are maybe not as familiar with digital transformation and industry 4.0 and everything that it entails, what is it very simply put? If, if, if it's as easy as answering that. For myself, so yeah, so I think in, in our world, so the, the simplest definition for me is like, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a fusion of, of data because data is everywhere in the whole story with, with then, you know, um, you know, what do you want to do and how you want to do it and why do you want to do it? You know, so, so yeah, th this is my, my simplest definition of it. So, so you know, when, when we talk about it to a client, we will always say, listen, you know, the what is the technology? So I, you know, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of data that's been generated for the last 10 years or 15 years in industries all around the world. And very few, very low percentage of that has ever been used. And so now the latest technologies that's coming out, and we'll talk about that right now, you know, uh, um, gives us the ability to do something with it. But the technology is nothing if you don't figure out, you know, the why or, you know, so, you know, what does the customer or the person or the people want to do with this? You know, um, you know, so what value do they get out of that? And then I think the last bit is, is also what is the new business model that we're going to then, um, you know, achieve by, by, you know, applying this technology to the data to provide a solution that, that brings value in a new form of business to a specific client. So, yeah, so that's really how we, you know, um, see it. And so, so if I look at some of the technologies is, you know, things like also the cloud migration, and that's a very key topic right now, is given yep. us huge, you know, processing power um, of this data. And then, you know, there's been quite a lot of advances 
um, in, in you know I, uh, you know industrial Internet of Things and 5G and so so the, the flexibility of linking to the data is much better than you know everybody I'm going to go but AI machine learning deep learning some of these you know type of of um, narrow or wide spectrum analysis that you can do on the data. Um, advanced analytics empowered us with quite a lot of you know different things that we could do to bring value uh, to the clients and you know and so yeah really so so that's 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 how we see it so we, we really see it as as um, applying technology uh, to data that um, really brings uh, new value to our customers or to you know people you know in, yeah. in the form of new business models. Yeah, I know Lenny is a very um, big champion and he often references the business case. And I think, you know, that's always the starting point. I think a lot of these things exist and whether it's labeled as, as, as a term or a philosophy, a lot of these things exist because there is a business case and a business need. And ultimately, that, has what to be, that is what has to be served at the end of the day. Is, is the business case and it's all about delivering value and, and business value. Um, yeah, so I like that. Very true, very true Yaku. I mean, if you, the whole digital transformation exercise, it, it must impact real business metrics. If you're not going to couple it to business metrics, now that can be anything. It can be revenue, it can be profit, it can be reducing cost or just get your customer engagement um, up, retention, repeating, buying. Um, it must have a positive manner or a positive impact on your business business metrics. Um, and, and the thing, the key thing is that everyone that's in that, it, it doesn't belong to the CDO. There's another three letter attribute. Now you have CEOs, CIOs. Now there's a CDO, the chief digital <laughs> yeah. as well. Yes. It doesn't sit with them. It doesn't sit with, with these three letter guys. It, it sits with everybody and everybody must be clear on these metrics what do we need to achieve by how much um, right up front and if you don't do that right up front work to to determine those metrics then then the whole exercise is, is almost a, a, yeah. a exercise not worth doing for sure but adam do you do you find that those um business outcomes and metrics are often defined and are they if so are they well defined when any of these kind of projects kick off or is it just or do you still find that there are just cases of let's just do it because we want to be future-proof and we want to do digital transformation without it actually being defined. I think um, you know if you know so, so, so a lot of the time right now um, the first one is basically saving costs. So so, um, so so clients are you know trying to to do a few things like either they're trying to push their productivity, you know, or um, make the the workforce you know more effective. But but a lot of that is 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 about you know um, saving saving cost related topics, and so so what what we normally do is is um, there there is a um, well <clears throat> there, there's a few disruptions that happened at the beginning of the of the COVID phase in that so then suddenly there was much less people on site so there was much less eyes and ears on site and so people mm. couldn't you know walk past a pump and hear it's cavitating you now had it to look through the skate or you need to do some analysis on the data to know oh there's going to be something that's wrong yeah. there. but so well, i'm like, sorry sorry to interrupt you we we often tell the story about some guys have the ability and you could probably attest to this they just walk onto their site onto their plant and they can just hear and point out to a machine and say something is wrong there without any kind of any kind of digital influence 
just through their years of experience, they can just hear that there's potentially something amiss with, with the piece of machinery or equipment. Have you found that? Yep, yep. And, and, but see, but those people are not there anymore. And also that's yes. the, whole, you know, the whole one of the driving forces of this digital transformation is the age, aging workforce. And those, yes. those type of people are you know, in their late 40s, 50s, retiring. And the new guys you know, that grew up with all the Apple technology and whatever, they don't want to learn, you know, spend 20 years on a site to know and feel and touch all those things. They want to yeah. basically, their iPhone must tell them, listen, this is the situation. So, uh, yeah. you know, but, but certainly, so, so as soon as the COVID hit, then we had, you know, that, that was an issue because suddenly people pulled a huge amount of people off sites you know, and so they wanted, you know, there was like, oh, we needed to, you know, so that was like a driving force. I'm going to, Maybe and, and another thing before we you know, go to how do we approach it, but, but there was also a piece where um, um, a lot of the mines straight away they either stopped production or they pushed, they pulled back production quite a lot. Um, some of our oil and gas clients you saw, you know, right at the beginning, there also the oil price went negative at some stage. You know, Unbelievable, it's probably, you, probably some we never thought, thought that we would ever see that. <laughs> And, and so, so, so you tune these plants that was always built for maximum production down to nearly zero production. And then, and then when it started changing again, you had to push them up again. So the requirement for agility, you know, to drop production and rise production and do that safely became, you know, quite a big thing. So, so really it comes back to this, you know, the, the, when we, you know, engage with a client, um, it's always about, you know, doing an assessment of, now, what it what is it that he wants to basically achieve um you know from a business point of view but you know if, if we come from an ot space not from an it like and i can talk from the it as well but from an ot space you know safety is always there so oh you know they, they safety you can never compromise you know and, and then you know the three d's the decarbonization you know um and and, and being greener and you know that those are, are always very very important so 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 you're either talking from a safety or from a sustainability or a greener point of view and yeah. and you know if you pass that then then you either like you know those other two points that i spoke about it's all about how do i i run this you know because a lot of the clients right now just after COVID, they want to now push up the oee because now they have lost production so yeah. how do i run the business you know all my operations you know faster how can i Push it. How can I get the overall equipment effectiveness up? What? How can I get the yield percentage slightly up? So those yeah. are, you know, those are the benefits that really um, they are looking for. Um, you know, and and definitely the theme of doing more with less um, is definitely a reoccurring theme that's that we, we you know has come out of all of the conversation that we've had over the, the past few episodes. Um, is 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 exactly that doing more with less. Um, I, I'd love to delve into some of the some of the technology. Uh, just very quickly, we we were chatting with um, again referring to Kahiso's chat last week from Kellogg's. We were the the topic of technology, process, and people came up, and um, uh, the technology is there's some incredible technology out there. Uh, I'm sure you're going to tell us a little bit more about you know some of the innovation and some of the some of the um, tech that's available to to the manufacturing world and how that improves processes on the on the topic of people Gahiso brought up something um, that is not really spoken about that much but but super critical in this in this if I can call it this tri view of technology process and people which is human change management and uh, he referenced um, some of his own experiences 
<clears throat> around his people and his teams that he's leading um, and having their buy-in and having their input um, as a critical part of, of the human change management aspect um, of any of these projects and any of these uh, DX um, uh, journeys. What, what has your experience been around the human change management aspect? And do you find, uh, first of all, what is your experience on human change management um, as part of these processes? And then secondly, you've referenced the guy that's been around for 40 years. It's his plant. He knows it very well with any kind of, without any kind of digital input, he knows it extremely well versus the younger workforce um, that's coming in, the millennials, if you want to call them that, um, and how they differ. What, what are some of your experience around the people aspect of, of digital transformation? I, I think it is, well, you know, bef before the, the pandemic, um, people was already um, very important because you know, the, the success um, or failure of a project is very linked to, you know, if, if, if your teams, if your people um, adopt the technology and use it effectively. And it's when they, you know, storm it at the MD's office and say, oh, I've just saved you, you know, 10% production or I've just pushed, you know, um, the, I, I just caught a $17 million potential failure, you know, with the technology. Then then you know it's working and, and, and really you, you need um, those people to do it. But, but, but what has happened, you know, in the midst of this, of this pandemic is even people became much more important. Um, you know, we can talk through the change curves of what happened at the beginning of, of it as well. But right now, you know, we have a huge amount of people which is unemployed. Um, and, you know, yeah. so in our industry, if you're in IT or in digital transformation, um, or in operational technology, then you've been blessed through this period because we could carry on working, we could work remotely, we could, you know, um, but a lot of industries couldn't do that. And so, you know, so, so, so we see that, you know, that people be, is now at the core of, of anything that we do um, into the future. And so in our foresight uh, strategy, where we basically talk about, you know, the, the intelligent enterprise or enterprise five, we, you know, we, we talk about people for just as, as much as we talk about um, 4IR and, and IT4 and finance for and customer for. So, so really um, how to enable the, the, the human with the set of tools, with um, workflow tools, with enabling tools um, becomes um, a very, very a core component, uh, component and, and a success of, of any of these digital transformation projects we, we can you know um maybe talk at 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 you know you know on, on just the effect of the people at the beginning of of the pandemic maybe it's a, it, and then we understand the human aspect a bit more of it like you know so so really you know being um, right at the beginning when 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 we started hearing about it like the engineering we started doing these trends and oh it's going to look like this and it's going to accelerate like that and then you know later on you but but all of us went through like sets of shock and then resentment and anger yes. and the negotiation you know a classic change curve and yes. whenever you bring new technology anywhere you know it's the same thing oh this stuff is it's here to take my job or i don't want to work with it or what is it doing so so just like we dealt exactly. with the pandemic we deal with this technology as well so you know that was one of the key things and, and then you know maybe just touch on that and then you know, then we started with a theme where we say, oh, um, you know, really coaching the guys, you know, if I go to the pandemic, right, you know, we spoke that, okay, you know, do the right thing, stay healthy, stay focused, you know, get an exercise routine. So, so just, yeah. you know, make sure that your state 
is in a good state, you know, that you're in a positive state and, and be very aware of what story you tell yourself about this experience that you're having. And the same, you can apply it again to the, you know, when we, when we do a digital transformation rollout, you know, um, what is the perception of the teams associated to what is happening in the operations? And also what do they tell each other when you're not there about, you know, this, what you're trying to do there. So we are very aware um, to monitor what that is. And, and a lot of the time it's better to do that, you know, in, uh, in agile teams, we, we communicate uh, during the pandemic period also a lot of like, you know, spend time on yourself, invest in yourself, you know, um, yeah. do a lot of continuous learning. You know, and so that's the norm right now. You know, and what we've seen is most of our clients picked up virtual training and e-learning immediately, and they, you know, they they emphasize this as well. So part of the people transformation is you know that, like, oh, you know, so yes, I'm giving you a technology or I'm enabling you with a technology to enable a new business model, but mm -hmm. we're also continuously investing in your you know continued development and you know so. So it becomes its core um, with, with, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I went a bit side there, but yeah, that's it. No, 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 I, I, I love that. And we've definitely seen that here at Element 8. We've, we, if, if anything, this, this period that we've just been through and continue to go through has been an incredible opportunity for people to, to learn and develop their skills, hone their skills and, and just become uh, better at what they do every day. We've we've seen, for example, on the uh, if I can use a very simple example of of uh, uh, ignition certifications for, uh, uh, as an example, we we've seen the number of certifications and the number of signups to the university and and wanting to learn that skill, it it has increased significantly over this period. Um, you know, so that there's definitely a a very big benefit to what we've ex experienced over the past few weeks. And the effects, the positive effects that that, that has had on on self learning and self development. So that's a big positive. Um, and I love what you've said about um, the role of humans. We we definitely also believe here at Element Eight that you know people are the true innovators. The people you know you need people to have the vision. You need people to uh, understand what is required to innovate, um, and then bring the the technologies together to make that happen and improve the processes. So uh, we can definitely. Uh, relate to that and I, I, I love I love what you've just mentioned on that yeah I think I think a lot of a lot of the time people also think exactly like that that digital transformation is about a business model or it's it's coupled on revenue and cost saving but there's a there's a massive component of digital transformation that's around the people the culture and obviously the type of talent that you want to attract into your business as well um, if you if you want to type if you want to keep growing as a business, um, and you're not you're not up in the game with the digital transformation, are you really going to go and employ or get the right talent or the right people attracted to your business to actually start working there and growing their business for? So yeah, it's 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 very key to take in consideration that digital transformation also breeds a new type of culture and talent that you can attract into your organization as well. Definitely. See, I have a comment on it. Like, see, when we when we went through the 2008 and 2010, you know, challenges, business challenges, we what we've learned from there is that the companies that embraced digital transformation came out, you know, um, tenfold, 10x, sometimes more, you know, ahead of those, you know, 10 years later than those that didn't embrace it at the time, you know. So, so, so companies, you you have to do it, but 100%, you have to take 
your staff with it. And, and you have to, you know, use the technologies that you have available to basically, you know, enable them, you know. So, so we did things like, you know, so social virtual hours, you know, and, you know, storytelling and experience telling on Zoom or Teams. Those are very important. But you have tools like, you know, SharePoint or Trello or whatever that you can also um, focus on to, to get that, you know, team collaboration working um, between them. We, we spend a lot of time on also, you know, and, you know also, you know, that adversity of, of where, whenever there's change, there is a, a level of, of, of uncertainty. Or when yeah. we had the pandemic, we, it wasn't even uncertainty, it was, it was proper adversity. Like everybody was challenged right to their core. And, you know, to a certain extent, it humbled all of us. And, you know, you had to go back and you started realizing, oh, but, you know, it's with great gratitude that I can continue with my job and still deliver, you know, output. And you know, so, so, again, those are the core fundamentals that people run on. And, yeah. and you, you know, if you, if you walk and you focus on that, we, we spend a lot of time and also, you know, as an individual, you can, you know, you can go maybe fast, but as a team, you can, you know, go further and you can collaborate much more. So the, the, the transformational tools um, enables the, the, this collaboration also much more so that we can collaborate more, you know, between ourselves, but also with vendors and also suppliers and with the clients. So, it's amazing how many projects we continued um, doing remotely in this whole period. Yeah, and, and, and forced to do so, we became very agile very quickly. Um, and uh, I, I love the two things that you mentioned. I think if there's two things that we can take with us from, from this period that we've just been through is gratitude and um, patience. <laughs> I think it's definitely, definitely another one. You know, we've, we've become a lot more patient with people's circumstances and what they experience and what they're going through at, at working from home. Uh, but uh, the, you made a comment just before we, we went live with the podcast. Um, you made a comment um, about, you know, working together as a team and seeing each other face to face. There is definitely so much value in that. Um, and we've been able to bring some of that across uh, into working from home. But just the ability to see each other face to face, being able to pick up on on people's moods and body language, you know, there is a lot of that that does go amiss with with working from home. And for leaders, that is probably a lot more challenging than what it is for uh, for the teams that they lead in in how to work around that. And and this period has been quite challenging, I think, for leaders especially. Um, without having those small little little um, uh, signals and, and things that they can read on. So, you know, marrying the two has definitely not been easy. Um, but you're right, there is this phenomenal tech available out there today that, that's helped us immensely with, with bridging that gap between the and two worlds. Just that on that office, there's quite a lot of topics. You know, at the beginning of the COVID, we thought, oh, we'll never go back to big offices and everybody's going to continue working from home. But I'm on quite a few forums right now. Exactly that. If I'm a young guy and, and, and I want to have a promotion and I cannot learn from my peers, then working from home is not a good space, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> because I need, I need uh, to mimic somebody. I need to learn from somebody else. And the same yeah. with if I never see my manager and I want to have a promotion, well, that's going to be a bit hard. Okay, I can see him on a video, but somehow, so, so, so we, we, you know, from initially thinking, oh, we're going to have a lot of commercial real estate open. Now we're again starting to think maybe... We're going to need it again, but people are going to be sitting further apart. And so, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you'll have less people, but bigger offices. Yes. And, but the need for it is still there. So it's amazing 
you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a futurist. I'm always trying to analyze, okay, what's next or how, but yes. you know, how the change curve is, is shaping. And, yeah. and that, that tribal knowledge that you refer to, that tacit knowledge, I mean, that's the kind of knowledge that exists in the team because they've been working together for so long. Um, that kind of tribal knowledge is, is not easy to convey uh, working from home digitally. Um, you know, it's through those experiences working together that, that you build up that knowledge with, within a team. And that knowledge is critical. It's super, super important. Um, cool. It feels like we've digressed a little bit, but I, I, I love the conversation. And I think it's very, very topical in terms of what... Um, what, what businesses and, and team leaders are going through at the moment. But just to get back to the approach of digital transformation. So we, we spoke a little bit about some of the drivers. We spoke about very simply put what it is and what it enables. Uh, what, is, what is the approach, uh, or at least what is your approach, or what have you found is the best approach when, when uh, you've identified these needs, you've identified, you've married them, potentially you've married them up with technology that's available, what is the approach from there and how do you typically kick that off? Yeah, so it, 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 may, it, it, it mainly starts with, with an assessment. So, so really, it's, it's, um, we would get involved with a client and, and do an assessment on, you know, on, um, on the operations. And a lot of the time we do it from a few angles. So we will look at from an IT point of view, you know, and so sort of what is what is the constraints, what is the challenges from an IT point of view, um, you know, and you know, there's a, there's a there's a whole big you know drive right now, no turn on site, so they want to, you know, um, where we always said um, no, everything has to be on prem. People are becoming more and more open towards total migration of IT type environments um, into into the cloud environment. So that's the the first piece um, that, that, that is a driver. And then <clears throat> there is a lot of, of, of um, analysis also. On, okay, so, um, you know, how many SQLs do you have on site and what licenses do you use? And, you know, where's all the service and the secure power associated with that? So that's a whole theme and, and, and that creates sort of a, a think stream. And then there's a piece where, oh, but data, my data quality, is my data clean? You know, so data enablement and the, and the, the cleansiness of the data because a lot of the technology, is very much um, dependent on having good data. So there's a whole exercise of, of looking from a business environment point of view. Oh, um, you know, how clean is my data and am I generating enough data? You know, and then, you know, th then we go you know, from an OT. So, so you can hear this convergence of, of yes. um, IT, OT and business environment that's constantly driving all of this. But from an OT point of view, you know, we look at, you know, we, we do an analysis on saying, okay, so what is your key drivers that you are looking for? What's the key benefits or the ROI? So we would go um, in an OT space, if we cannot deliver an ROI of say less than six months, then maybe there's another topic that's bigger to first go after because a lot of the digital transformation projects should be self-funding, you know? And so it, it, it can easily happen now in the IT space, um, but in the OT space, you know, so we might basically, delay um, one project for another so that we can use the benefit gains from from maybe a advanced process control project that that help to um, reduce the energy of a boiler or a mill by 10 percent or help to mm. push the chemical usage or reduce the chemical usage of a of a nickel plant by 20 percent you know so you mm. get quite a lot of savings there and then you redeploy that in maybe another piece of OT technology maybe an mm. expansion 
to the method accounting solution for the MES, or maybe you want to put a, you know, like you say, like a flow dashboard on, you know, and sometimes they could go first, sometimes it could go sec uh, second, but it's all to do with, you know, what, what is the benefit um, th that the client wants? So we do this assessment, we do a roadmap with a with the ROI scale, you know, and 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 then yeah, then then we start with these projects, and a lot of them is self-funding, you know. So um, yeah. I'm very happy that you mentioned the the self-funding. I think if we if we look at digital transformation, I think it was IDC that did a uh, a study um, towards the end of last year where they talk about budgets for digital transformation. And it was quite fascinating that according to the survey that they did with across, I think it was something like a thousand organizations across uh, uh, Middle East and Africa, they found that the budgets for digital transformation, there isn't, there's always been an IT budget and an OT budget. And all of a sudden, okay, now we need a, a DX budget. And, you know, where does that, does it come from? Does it come from OPEX uh, retalization? Does it come from, uh, does it come from the IT budget, the internal IT budget? Um, and um, I think the topic of self-funding is, is, is very, very critical. If you can demonstrate some of those immediate savings, you don't necessarily need a very big separate budget. You know, this, the, the, the benefits and the value that you're getting at the bottom line from initially kicking off some of these things will fund other initiatives and other projects further down the line. Um, and if you can prove that in your case, if you're building that out as part of your project approach, that will definitely help some of those folks uh, motivate and help them justify some of these these budgets for 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 implementing some of these technologies. A comment is 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 what makes these projects much less risky right now is that you know we're basing most of it on on past data. So so where we in the past you know oh, we conceptualize a project, we run RFIs, we we go out on tender and we buy this thing and then hopefully it delivers what we do. Now we can actually go into the data and we can sort of, you know, do a machine learning on the data and see, listen, will my APN be able to exactly give you the predictions that I'm saying? You know, all my, you know, can, can I make the prediction with the data or even from a simulation? So with, with working with the simulation team that's now, you know, with, with us, these guys really um, simulate all the scenarios. So they run, you know, a sarcastic 2,000 scenarios on a specific shop floor and say, oh, you know, this is the throughput that you should be able to get with that amount of people, that amount of asset, that amount of flow, and that amount of rework. You know, so, so we, we do, based on data and based on simulation, we do this POV or POCs. They're normally quite low cost to, to, to do a, a quick uh, a proof of value or proof of concept. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then that puts a justification on the table that then becomes the justification for you know the capex um, expansion or, or or the opex you know saving that that justifies the implementation of the project sorry i interrupted you there but that was just a uh, no no 100 I'm, I'm so happy that you're talking about how data is fundamental to digital transformation i know that's a topic that's very close to lenny's art uh, is about the value of data um so so i'm very happy that you you're talking through that Yep, and, I, and I like the idea that they use that to determine a proper roadmap and an ROI of the, of the project and scope. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've been talking about it that some people think, well, the technology is available. You, you go buy it, <laughs> you install it, and yeah. you derive value. And, and that's, that's not the case. Um, 
there's that saying, age-old saying that genius, genius is the eternal patience. Um, not saying that your digital transformation journey must now take you know, forever, but yeah. do you have a realistic timeline with an ROI, ROI coupled on, based on the historical data on what is going to deliver and when it's going to deliver it? I think that's key. And I think that's potentially one of the pitfalls of some of these projects is, is just the realization that it's not a quick, potentially could not be just a very quick thing that you're going to, that you're going to embark on. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Adam, I, I loved what you, uh, it feels like I'm the one bringing it up every time, but it does feel like it comes across. It does come across every time as well with the conversations we're having as OT and IT. Um, we spoke with Francois at uh, Clover a couple of weeks ago, um, one of our podcasts, and you spoke about how critical it is, for their success for the OT and the IT teams to work closely together. And, and, and I mean, just historically, what it's looked like in the past is that very often, you know, the, the equipment, the networks, everything that is um, under OT or operational typically sits with the OT folks um, where everything else sits with IT. And that has in the past, that's caused a little bit of, of, of friction uh, but he was talking about how well they've married those two uh, teams within within Clover, within their organization to be successful. Um, and it was really pushed by, if you look at some of the assets that exist today uh, in the OT world, you know, they were meant to, first of all, be put down and run forever. Uh, they were not necessarily meant to be online or be exposed in terms of the data that they can give us. Um, and now through a lot of these, these projects and transformation, that's no longer the case. And it's almost forcing these two teams to work closely together. Um, and we've even gone beyond that, that they are now working very closely together. And that is what is required for, for a project to be successful. Yaku, there's, a, there's actually a myth around that one. There's, there's a myth about, you know, going digital transformation is all about just going digital. It's not about IT. And, and that's yes. one of the myths that definitely um, got debunked is, yes, digital is necessary for this transformation, but, but IT still is the backbone of all digital execution. Yeah. Yeah. And Valadama definitely sounds like that's what you echoed in your comment a, a little bit earlier. Yeah. I think that, that, see, what we see is, is so, so, um, so in Foresight, um, we, our chief sales officer, Willy Ackerman, which is well known by lots of CEOs, he runs a CIO forum of, basically 140 people that gathers normally once a quarter, but now in COVID, they, they gather once every two months and they discuss this type of topics. And so, yeah, so that term where you say, listen, CDO, so chief digital officer, the CIO is now sort of a lot of them in certain aspects has also got, um, certainly maybe uh, for the tier twos and the tier threes, they've taken the OT, you know, under them as well. And I know there's always, O, oh, but you know, OT is OT and IT is IT, but, but the convergence of that is becoming very, very important. Um, as a group, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe just a little quickly about the Foresight group. So, so we have a bunch of about um, nearly um, 300 people that come from that OT, IT, from that ITBE space, uh, mm. you know, and where they are providers of um, Microsoft and Sage and Acumatica and whatever. And so they're doing, CRM systems and payroll systems and modern workflow, whatever. And um, we've, you know, we brought that together with the team that, with the teams that I run, about 100 or about 80 OT people in automation and simulation. And, and so we jointly now are hosting this, this, this conference, which we call the Foresight um, Converge Conference on the 22nd of, of 
October. And it's exactly focused on exactly this and that, that you cannot today engage with a client and not, uh, not look at, at the world. You know? So if there's basically, if again, if the asset performance management or the maintenance management system says, listen, there's maintenance to be done, well, then you need to feed it through to the ERP system, the SAP or whatever. But you might even want to push a, a workflow, you know, a modern workflow tool that really, you know, tells the person how to do it. Because if, if the OT gives you a signal and the operations cannot process it or use, you know, and, and both worlds, they're using you know, transformation. They're using, we're using AI machine learning, both at IT side, you know, even more so then in the, you know, how to process an invoice, how to, to um, make it much more effective in the, in the pay office or in the approval office. So, so the worlds, when you run a plant, you want things to flow easily and, you know, not go through many points and checkpoints and, and whatever. And, and only by, by converging this, do you get those type of operations or, you know, that operational improvement. So, yeah, 100%. Um, and and, and these, these, these two worlds are uh, totally converging. You still have to respect. So, so, for example, at the CIO forum that was held this week, the IT guys or the CIO said, oh, the biggest challenge that we have is OT cybersecurity. Okay, interesting. So, why do you care? Okay, but you know, so they do care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, if, you know, because now with this whole virtual space, if I take a plant down and I can, you know, in South Africa, there were some massive knockouts also in the medical space, but also That's in right. the OT space during this whole pandemic, you know, everything stands. So, so they do care. And so, so that's just the, the view. I, the, the, yeah, carry on. I, I love the, um, you, you mentioned about the CIO uh, forum. Um, I'm doing a lot of references this morning. There was, I also read a, an IDC piece where they talk about, where they also spoke with some CIOs. And they spoke about um, a, a, a number of these CIOs. Their top, uh, their top need that they were looking for outside of what they wanted to accomplish within their business, um, and the kind of tech that they wanted to deploy to serve their customers better. But they, one of their top needs that they had was a partnership. Funny enough, um, they they were looking at all of these different you know, activities, um, alliances that they can create, the technologies available. But the, one of the top things that they were looking for was a partnership and a relationship. So within this ecosystem of everything that's available, they valued a relationship and a partnership the most outside of the base tech uh, and all of these other things available. And I think that definitely does speak to where we are today, that it's, it's definitely not just a, a quick uh, a hit and run, if I can call it that but partnerships are vital. And all of these enterprises are looking for partners um, that can orchestrate these technology innovations into a business case and be with them for the long term, for the long run, for the long game. Um, and, and again, it comes down to people, I suppose. And, and they like to share as well. They like to share ideas with each other. So at these forums, they present the latest, greatest to each other. Um, with some of the largest, uh, you know, mining companies that, that we're working with right now. So they're all trying to future-proof themselves with digital transformation. Those that were more ahead than others weathered this COVID pandemic challenge much more than those that weren't, you know. So some companies were not using, you know, things like Teams before this, and then they had to scramble to get onto it and, and scramble to get people to be able to work from home. Others were already 
you know, far ahead there, just as a simple example. But just in, in, in some of the clients, you know, we go as far as to have like a, you know, a, a digital tr a transformation committee, which, which you know, or, or, a, or a steer co. So you, you, you would work on an assessment, you would work on a roadmap, but then we also form part of the steer co to sort of help justify like, oh, do we do this first or that one second? Why this? And, and the, the level of collaboration that happens now between businesses in this space um, you know, is also phenomenal, you know, because, you know, no longer can you, you know, try, you, you're not trying to fight each other, you're trying to fight um, this, this, you know, um, fast transformation of this exponential development of, of technology. You know, we will have, you know, you, you know, about the point of singularity, like the human computer will be smarter than the human mind by about two, uh, two, uh, 2026, maybe 2025. You know, yeah. so uh, if you if I'm just focused on on my competition right now and not how to be the best at what I can be, I'm mm -hmm. I'm going to fail. And you know, so so the people are the, the the leaders are sharing. The leaders are opening ourselves up. They're working with us, and it's it's quite interesting. You know, no yeah. longer do you have to educate them. Oh, it's a must do. They know they have to do it. It's yes. just now choosing the right partner identifying agile teams, working with people that know what they're doing, you know, and, and, and prioritizing the right projects. Definitely. It de definitely does feel like we've moved from do-it-yourself to partner collaboration to hyper-connected ecosystem where we're all sharing amongst each other because we recognize the value that that's going to bring. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Very, very, very true. Um, so speaking of the latest and greatest, um, what, what are some of the latest and greatest out there as far as technology is concerned? What are some of the really exciting things that you are currently working with and some of the exciting technology that you're delivering? Yeah, so, 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 so I'm going to repeat something that I said before. So let's go from, you know, if we get to a new place, a lot of the guys are going no turn. You know? and, uh, so IT guys are very much, they, they present to each other or CDOs, it's, oh no, we're going into the cloud and we're migrating to the cloud. So, so cloud migration is, is obviously latest and greatest, you know, it's been around for a lot, but it's accelerating quite a lot right now. And then there's also quite a lot of themes of, of, of um, analysis tools where you can see, listen, license optimization, storage optimization, um, 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 SQL optimization in your operation. So there's a lot of um, projects and success that we're getting just from an IT infrastructure um, 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 uh, optimization. That, that is a key theme that, that, that people are going for right now. Um, there is also, before I get to the OT, there's also in the business environment space, there is a view that you know, um, you know, I need to clean my data, so I need to, you know, um, deploy concepts like the data vault, the data enablement methodology to make sure that my data is structured in such a way that I can plug in and out components without having to re-engineer everything, and that my data is clean enough so that I can uh, generate wisdom and intelligence, uh, you know, using um, AI technology on the data. So, so, so there's a whole discipline and we have a few partners or vendors that just work with us in that space. Um, and, and then also maybe a last one in there, there's, there's a lot of, from, from Microsoft, there's a lot of um, enabling tools to basically, you know, RPA type tools to, to help you to um, uh, automate workflows and also bring some intelligence into the workflow uh, workflows that you can you know make automate automatic decisions if I then go into 
um, the OD space, you know, so, so obviously a hot topic. We, we've, we've had, um, you know, let's go, uh, um, we've had APC and, and MES, you know, themes for a long time. The, 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 and, but there's a lot of new developments there as well. I'll talk about that soon. But, but in the APM space, which is sort of in the last um, five years, the asset performance management space, the space about, oh, how do I actually run my assets longer or better? Mm, get the most. On, you know, and get the most out. That's been a key thing. And so, and specifically, you know, the, the enabling technologies like deep learning, machine learning, um, um, pattern recognition has, you know, and the multiple various ways of doing that has accelerated that. So, so we have in the last um, year and a half did quite a lot of um, interesting projects and exciting projects from some of the largest mining clients just on on being able to predict the failure um, um, on a conveyor system or on a crusher system or on a pump system three to six or four weeks before, you know. And all that you're doing is you basically you you That's you phenomenal. learn. You know, you learn a model, so you basically you use the past data, and I, I I learn from past failures, you know, and then and and I learn basically what is normal, what is not normal, and so if if I basically I, I constantly do pattern recognition in the background, and see oh if I see something that's not right, I say oh I've seen this two years ago, it was this, do it like this, oh I'm seeing something right now, I've not seen it before. Um, I, I best best you investigate this, you know, and it's also it becomes prescriptive as well because the learning will say to you, well, I see something that I've seen before or I haven't seen, but go and look here and here because I think this is where your problem are, you know, and and so then th th that's one step up already from you know the previous ones where you had a bunch of data analysts and they grew very complex models, you know, and then you basically com constantly compared your real world against the model. But even there, there's enhancements right now that some of these model learning is becoming much simpler. And so the client can, you know, enable himself to, to, to learn this model continuously. So that, that is, for example, something that's very interesting in, in the APM space. Um, hmm. The multivariate analysis um, tools that we have available um, to be able to find the, 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 the needle in the proverbial haystack is also enhancing quite a lot. Like if I, I'm, I'm doing a production runs, so I'm making quills, so I'm, 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 I, I make powder milk, whatever, but my input is constantly changing, my, my supplies is changing, mm. whatever. How do I control that? Because I have like um, 500 variables. I don't know what's causing this. It's very, very hard. My, you know, you need then, you know, PLA type technology to sort of, again, learn a model, give you a correlation, tell you, listen, this is the key variables that's driving the biggest behavior here. And I, I, I tell you, you know, do this changes right now and in 24 hours, your quality will still be right. Or, you know, so, so these are amazing new things that's come out. If I touch on, uh, you know, in the advanced process control environment, in the OT spaces, is it used to be that you need very smart engineers, and we have some very smart ones, PhDs and whatever on our books, um, you know, um, but, 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 but nowadays with, with what AI brings to it, or this deep learning technology, um, is that, you know, you can actually automatically learn. So, so you, can the, you can orchestrate the tool, to learn those complex 3D graphs, you know, so that you, to which you control. Um, so, so the technology makes it simpler for us to deploy, you know, complex advanced process control technologies. And we've just won a project in South Africa where we actually orchestrate 
and various chemical plants against each other with a technology which is called GDOT, where if you have one plant with, I don't know, 30 PID loops and another one with 40, you know, and uh, so if you cut the one back, then the other one has to scale up. And so normally in operations, you would do this um, once every um, you know, week. And, and mm. so you lose a lot of eff efficiency, but with a tool like GDOT, you would do this every five minutes, you know, and this one plant will scale up and scale down. And so if you think about a, you know, a, a, a chemical process or a facility or whatever, where you, where these things have to be coordinated with each other, you know, mm. those type of technologies is quite amazing. And then, you know, in MES space, um, you know, so, so yes, we, we gather a lot of data into historians and we do reporting mm. and we do accounting and metal accounting on it. But nowadays, it's a big drive like, oh, I need intelligence. You know, I, I've got fridges all over the country. The fridge needs to tell me, listen, um, I need to be replenished, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And with, with bringing some of the technology, the, the, you know, again, the analytical tools and the machine learning tools that we bring with the MES systems, we can also start doing that. So, so this is the theme. It's all about this intelligent enterprise. You know, um, yeah. the, the technology is is helping the client to just run his operations much more intelligent. Um, yeah, you know, and it definitely, Linnea, it doesn't feel like we can escape the the example of, of fridges and, and cold chain. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's come up in, in a number of podcasts. It's, it seems like it was one of the sort of low-hanging fruit um, is, is, is the cold chain tracking improvement. Uh, Valadam, I love what you said about uh, smart people and smart engineers. I think in South Africa, if you look at uh, specifically in the, in the OT world, uh, the operations manufacturing world, uh, in South Africa, we've had, we have a history of uh, really, really innovative people and, and smart people that have done some incredible things uh, in our engineering uh, engineering field uh, has a number of these people. Um, and, and we have a history of, of, of breeding these, 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 these people in South Africa that have, that have done some incredible things with the technology. So that's going to continue. And if you look at some of these examples that you just mentioned of some of the tech that's available, the future is so exciting. There is, there's pretty much nothing that we cannot do um, right now in this space. Um, and we, yeah, sure, we, we definitely look forward to seeing some of these technologies become a lot more mainstream than what they have been. Yeah, I think the key thing is if people must just keep on dreaming. Like if you, you, you dream about it, it happens in the mind, then it happens in reality. You know, and, and also what happens right now, like in the midst of this COVID, we've been able to win new projects in the Middle East, in Australia, um, the simulation guys won a big job in America. You know, so, so, so we cannot export these smart people that we have in Southern Africa all around the world because also what happened is our currency became a bit weaker and so it makes us much more competitive, you know, around the world. And, you know, so there's, there's many opportunities for us here out of Southern part of Africa to, uh, yes. to actually do brilliant global work. No, for sure. Um... Lenny, you, you have any other questions? I, no, Yaku, I think I'm good. Uh, Valadam, thank you so much. I think that was yeah, a geez. great insight. Uh, it feels like we could have talked another, <laughs> another hour. <I> <laughs> uh, but no, definitely. And, and yeah, I think as we, another theme, Yaku, that's reoccurring and just re-highlighted again today is out of adversity comes great innovation. And again, clearly out of COVID, um, some great innovation is happening um, with you guys, Valadam, and that's great to hear and great to see. 
Yeah, thank you so much for your time. We've run out of time. We, uh, to Lenny's point, I think we could probably chat to you with you for the entire morning. Um, love the insights that you've shared. Love the passion that you have for for this industry that we all love. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your your insights and, and wisdom this morning. And yeah, we definitely look forward to to having a catch up with you in a in in, in a few episodes and and get some more of your insights. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you, um, Jaco and, and Leonard, for, for inviting me to be part of this. And I really enjoyed it. And yeah, like, it's amazing what is possible. Like, I was in a in a conference <clears throat> the other day, like, you know, one of these comeback challenges with 250,000 people in, in a Zoom call, you know. Um, amazing. With, with, with that. So, so it, it is just such an exciting time. And, and uh, I think if, if we open ourselves up, um, and and we keep our you know our minds open, uh, then then we can we can really make a difference in our in our local and in in our global markets, and that's what we need right now. We need that entrepreneurial spirit to come forward, um, and and you know obviously lift also our country out of um, the challenges that we face uh, from a GDP point of view. So so but yeah, exciting Absolutely. talking to you guys and 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 keen to to have another session and and hope to see you and join us at our. Converge uh, 2000 yes, conference. Yes, that is October. not 22nd of October, eh? 22nd of October, um, virtual event, um, you know, and, and very much focused on this IT, OT, um, and a business environment convergence um, and, you know, and the value that we bring to, to clients. Fantastic. If you, if you have any details to share on that, please, please send it across to us and we can, we can share it with the details of the podcast as well. 100%. Thank you, guys. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, we can meet face-to-face soon. And, and hopefully that is, as you pointed out, I can't remember if we were live with the podcast yet or not. Hopefully we can do that over a glass of uh, incredible South African wine um, in, in, uh, in the very near future. But yeah, thank you so much again for your time and, and we look forward to our, to our future chat. Thanks, guys. So that was, um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. That was Wilhelm Swart, who is uh, the Chief Operational Technology Officer at Foresight and, and MD at Blue ESP, sharing some insights and thoughts and experiences on digital transformation. Uh, Lenny, next week we have Colby Clegg. Um, I know you're looking forward to that one. Colby Clegg is the Vice President of Technology at Inductive Automation. Yeah, we're looking forward to chatting with Colby, Lenny. Yeah, Colby, Colby is one of the I'm going to say one of the, the starters or the, the incubators, he's been with the company pretty much from day one. So it will be very, very good insights to hear how, how they've been growing, how they've experiencing this, this massive growth that they've seen over the past 13 years. So looking forward to talking to Kobe and I'm sure he's going to have some, some new exciting stuff that, that they are planning and working on to share with us in that podcast. Definitely. So that's next week's episode. Colby Clegg, the Vice President of Technology at Inductive Automation. And we look forward to that one. But as always, Lenny, you're online. <laughs> uh, if you've got any comments or any other topics that you would like us to cover on, on our podcast, please feel free to email us those ideas at podcast at element8.co.za and, and we'll work those topics into our schedule. Excellent. Lenny, thank you for your time. Adam, thank you again for your time. And uh, to all our listeners, thank you for listening and stay safe and look after each other. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Cheers, everybody.